welcome to the Content Strategy Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Halverson. In every episode of this podcast, I chat to established leaders and exciting new voices exploring our ever-evolving field of content strategy. We cover all the topics that inform how we shape digital content, from user experience design to customer experience, accessibility to content design, and everything in between. Friends and neighbors, welcome back to the Content Strategy Podcast. It's so good to feel your presence through the tubes here on this lovely day. I'm Christina. I am your host. And oh, do I have a special guest today? Get excited. I'm so excited. I am super duper happy to introduce to you Ms. Candy Williams. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Candy. By day, she's a content design leader who loves nothing more than supporting her team, solving complex content challenges, and flying the all-important flag for inclusive design. By night, she's a published author of four books and counting. And when she's not waging the war against unnecessary jargon and inaccessible head-scratching content, you'll probably find her tweeting when she should be sleeping, growing her crystal collection, desperately trying to meditate more, or seeking out more brightly colored kicks. Candy, welcome to the Content Strategy Podcast. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've been waiting for this moment. (laughs) So delighted. And Candy, where where are you at this moment? Yeah. I mean, not just like in your apartment, but like larger, the larger context of things. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm in a pretty dark, overcast city center flat in Bristol, but <laughs> larger, larger picture. So I am head of content design Bumble, which is a connections app. We have a dating product offering, which a lot of people have heard of, and also a friendships and community product offering. So I have been there for around a year, which has flown by. Even I feel like it has flown by since you made that announcement. Congratulations. I, I wonder if we could, I usually start off episodes by asking folks about their path and their content journey to where they are today. So I wonder if you could share a little bit about your journey as a content enthusiast and advocate and designer until now. Of course. Yes. Yeah. So I would class my journey as a bit higgledy-piggledy for sure for want of a better phrase um and you that took you two seconds to bust out a super british (laughs) criticism (laughs) i didn't even ask you congratulations (laughs) i'm sorry serious be serious okay here we go sorry (laughs) i actually um, i studied linguistics And I specialized in social linguistics and psycholinguistics. So how language makes people feel, makes them act, makes them do. So I did a lot of analysis of political speeches and how it's used to persuade. I did a lot of critical analysis of semantics and pragmatics and meanings and connotations of language. And I did a lot of work around language comprehension, how we learn languages, um, how we understand language and how that shapes how we understand the world. Yeah, so that was kind of my thing. I was very embedded there in actually quite a lot of qualitative research. Back then, though, when I was at university, if you did linguistics 
English language, your options were kind of you can be a teacher or you can be a journalist, which were both good jobs, but neither were right for me at the time. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. None of my family had gone to university, so I didn't really know what the rules were with university. Like, what do you do? I just thought you just get an office job. That's kind of what you do. Um, So I knew I liked people and I then went and worked in recruitment and HR for a bit, which was interesting. So I did that for about a year. I very quickly really missed the creativity, the the analysis of language, the writing side of it, the understanding, all of the stuff that I had loved and done previously. So I took an internship as a digital content writer, as it was called then, at a fintech startup before they were cool. And I was doing then a lot of your kind of uh, SEO strategies, blogs, longer form content, some early social media, but kind of before it was like a big thing that people invested in. I suppose what you would call kind of then influencers working with people to help them share content on topics, etc. So I did that for about a year. And then I, well, actually then my mum died. So I, that made me reflect on what I wanted to do with my life generally and it wasn't interning forever so I took a permanent job at a full service agency where I was working on everything from kind of big content strategies for brands naming website transformation oh like the full scale like social media absolutely all of it, all kind of aspects of content, not just digital billboards, a lot of print and press back then as well. Can I can I just interrupt and just say I don't know what it is. Well, these when you people come into companies are like, oh, you're good with the words. We need words. We need words in so many places. Can you get the words for? I don't know. I just yeah, I was that person. Okay, anyway, go ahead. I'm just sympathizing here. <laughs> No, honestly, yeah, it was like that. It was, when I look back, it was it was a lot. But the beauty of it was just learning about so many different methods, so many mediums, what works and what doesn't work. I feel like I saw social media evolve quite a lot back then as well, which was helpful. As I left, I was kind of doing a lot more of the strategy side of things. So bringing it all together. So it's like, okay, you've got this nice thing on social media. How does this align with what you're saying in press, outdoor, et cetera? What's the strategy? What's the voice and tone, et cetera? Yeah, I was there for about four years. Loved that. That was cool. And then I took a step up and went to lead the content function for um, a full service agency that specialised in customer experience. So we did a lot around jobs to be done, how customer experience spans, yeah, everything you do, how content design is at the heart of that. And that kind of, um, yeah, just swindled your whole experience, which was really, really cool. It was a mix of B2B and B2C. So What was really nice about that was kind of moving people away from like business to business. And we have to talk to people like this if Mm. they're a business to actually like, you know, funny, everyone's a person, right? So it's a good idea to talk to them as people regardless. So yeah, taking some cool brands on that journey. So yeah, I was there for a year or so. And then I knew content design. It was in the UK, thanks to Sarah, 
goodness love her um it was starting to really pick up speed and I was loving it and I knew that was where I wanted to specialize but there weren't that many roles outside of London and then I heard of a role that was recruiting for content design team nationwide which is a building society so kind of like a community bank it's owned by its members so yeah, I went there as a senior content designer to start with. Yeah, worked my way up to content design manager and leading their content strategy. And I was there for about four years again. Yeah, that was amazing. Amazing. Like started off as one of two content designers left and there were 20 content designers and I'd, yeah, hired a lot of them, helped and seen their careers grow, which was just awesome. And then... Yeah, and then I went to to Bumble, and the rest is the rest is history. For at least a year, anyway. You've been relatively public about the difference between sort of like the work that you were doing and the experience that you were having at Nationwide versus kind of the environment you stepped into at Bumble, just with regard to how they were seeing kind of the the. Uh, advancement or development of content design within the organization. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think this a lot, actually. So when I started nationwide, content design was a book, essentially, by title, right? So content, the beauty of content strategy, content had been a great thing for (laughs) decades, centuries, etc. But I think content design as a title was just starting to pick up speed. I feel like a lot of people were clutching and beautifully in awe of the content design book, but there wasn't outside of public sector a lot of implementations of it um, as content design as a function, so to speak. So we didn't really... Obviously, we had Gov, we had all of the great work that was going on across DDS, but we didn't really have that many places to look to as an example of this is how you embed a content design function in the private sector that operates quite differently to the public sector in the UK. So it it was an interesting journey for sure. And I think, you know, things have definitely, definitely changed a lot over what the last five six years for the better because I mean I'll be honest you know at times I think especially the senior content designer we were we were winging it a lot we were we were doing our best but yeah there wasn't really kind of a this is the blueprint of how it works for the private sector um, Mm -hmm. when a lot of the kind of ways of working were quite different for sure Mm -hmm. so very grateful to have more of that now. Wonderful. And you have been building out your team. I, I I feel like every time I turn around, you're just like, oh, I'm hiring. Oh, I'm hiring, hiring again. Yeah. So it's, you know, what? it's that phase of you start somewhere and you're like, okay, so this is content. This is what content design should be doing. This is why content design is great. This is how it should be working. This is what you can get from content design. And like eventually, people start going oh great cool we want that thing and it's like great okay now now we need the people (laughs) to make yeah well especially (laughs) once they figure it out they're like 
oh yeah, we'd like that thing. And then they get a little bit in there like, oh, we want all the things. I mean, that's what I see over and over that the minute somebody experiences a content designer on their team, they, they want more, they tell all their friends, their friends want more. And so then it's difficult to scale appropriately. Are you finding, I I hear that, uh, well, at least here in the United States, the marketplace for finding content designers is very, very, very competitive, Uh, especially finding folks with everything calls for three to five years of experience, which there were, it was, there were just not a lot of teams asking for content design three to five years ago. Is that, how are you managing onboarding folks, training folks? How, how are you doing that as a lead? Yeah. So it's hiring is competitive for sure. More competitive than I've known now, I would say definitely. It's about looking in the right places, though. I think I hear a lot of, and not like in any way blowing my own trumpet, but a lot of kind of passive interests. Like I'll get talking to someone about a talk that I've done somewhere. And then, you know, maybe I'll post something up. And then two months later, they'll kind of be like, oh, you're hiring. That's great. I saw this. So I do find that when it comes to experience hires, it's, it's really important, as well as putting the job ads out there, et cetera that kind of connection in the community as well because I think that's where we've had quite a lot of success you might get talking to someone about something else a different topic within the community and it turns out they're actually kind of interested in how things work and and it kind of evolves mm-hmm. from there which is really really helpful for sure um in terms of training and onboarding it's really you know onboarding is so important to me especially when we're remote and we're not all in the same location because I just think it's it's one thing when you're in an office with people and you can kind of yeah get to know them go and sit and spend a bit more time with them but one thing I've really count found is just like the little things do make all of the difference so Chavi one of the product designers at Bumble threw me Harry Potter quiz in my second week which was just (laughs) such a nice way just to like have some fun get to know each other without like a formal meeting where you feel like I need to ask the questions and I need to you know demonstrate and represent content design so a lot of learnings and just trying to bring through that safe space making sure people have buddies because you know not everyone's going to feel comfortable asking their manager things I totally appreciate that so I always make sure that people have a buddy on the project or product they're working on but also within the content design team that they can lean on for any questions that they've got anything they need as well as obviously having me there as well but yeah so many reflections on kind of onboarding people maintaining that sense of community and making sure people feel welcomed into the team I think it's pivotal so Bumble is a it's a fun app. And I think that, you know, everybody's relatively aware of it. I mean, if you haven't used it, one of your friends have used it. Uh, you're, I, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about just for some behind the scenes, like what are, what are some recent projects that you've had or directed within the product that you've worked on? Yeah, good, good question. What have we been working on? So one of the projects, actually one of the first projects that I worked on was adding pronouns to helping people add pronouns to their profile. And this was a really good example, I think, of kind of a content-led project because for me, to really be able to 
understand the importance of pronouns you have to start asking some questions around gender and facing into a real focus on gender and you know gender identity gender expression etc so we worked with a third party and that was great to really look at how we create inclusive content from a perspective of gender so I think some of the things that went hand in hand with that were me really taking the lead on inclusive language guidelines from a perspective of gender doing a lot of research in that space uh, making sure we were testing inclusively etc this is the thing isn't it what happens if people don't feel represented as well so how do we have a mechanism where people can add their pronouns if the initial list of pronouns that we've got doesn't have theirs listed how can they add those in you know a safe way and feel like we are evolving listening because that's so important to us you know we know that gender identity evolves it's fluid so we don't want anyone to feel like we're telling you what the options are we want to hear from people listen and adapt accordingly which is really really important I think one thing that I've been really loving at the moment is so it's Lisa Dance's free uh, free key framework. So it looks at initially when you're working on projects like that, really focusing in on, okay, firstly, who's not here? Who's not in this space? What biases do we bring into this room and this space? Who aren't we representing? And how can we make this safe Space as safe as possible. You know, I also understand that, you know, not everyone does know the intricacies of gender identity and expression, but how can we have this as a safe space where people feel protected, safe, and also enables people to ask questions within the boundaries um, of the space? Also, looking at, yeah, how well is this going to serve folks that we want it to serve? And finally, I think looking upfront, it's like, what happens if this? goes wrong like what are the risks of this and how can we be clear on those up front which I think is such an important perspective that often gets overlooked so yeah I think it's been really nice to be able to lead and work on projects that are very aligned with things that are important to me and things that I care about for sure that's outstanding. That's I love the way that you uh, call that out in your bio, even kind of waging the good fight for inclusive language. So that's a that's a wonderful example. Thank you. I want to circle back around to you made a lot of you know we were talking a little bit about how you were building out and thinking about and leading your content team, and I know that a topic that has come up recently within the field of content design is content leads feeling like they want to connect with others and find support and how, I mean, there was a post recently written about how it's kind of can be a lonely pursuit trying to build out a content team and establish the discipline within an organization. And you have mentioned that you actually are successful in starting to find and connect with and uh, whether it's network or get support or share best practices with other content design leads. Can you talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, of course. So I'm very conscious of the fact that I don't know all of the things and I never will know all of the things. And I'm always very open to learning more of the things and understanding people's perspectives, experiences, etc. One thing that I think of this 
quite frankly terrible pandemonium we've been through one of the good things that has come out of that is I feel like it's opened up the community more and not that it was ever closed but I think because we've all been conferences have been virtual we've been chatting on Twitter etc I feel like it's felt more accessible and as a result of that I've been able to build connections I didn't necessarily have with great people like yourself like Jordan from Twitter like John Coleman Michael and Andy etc and that has been pivotal for me because sometimes I'll just come up against something where I'm like I just would love another perspective on that like career matrices what does like a great career development framework look like for content design sure I can go away and have my my lay of the land but I would love other people's perspectives on that so that's been really really positive for me I felt I feel like probably quite organically it's just happened and I've just really appreciated having folks to bounce things off of and to share and to learn together like I am very conscious all the time of wanting to be the best leader I can and not in a weird egotistical way but I want to learn how to be a better people leader constantly I want to I want people to feel supported I want them to have a sense of growth I want them to feel a sense of belonging so I'm very open to yeah understanding from others yeah learning from one another I think that's really positive for sure and would you say that where are you finding folks is it the events is it slack workspaces is it conferences is it all the above I think conferences was the catalyst, I would say. And yeah, which conferences I, would that be, Candy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Unless, oh, no, I'm joking. No, well, I've been very open. I've been very, very, very open. Um, and, you know, we could talk about that for a whole podcast about like, so Button was, I don't even know what year it was now, what, 2020 maybe? Um, oh, yeah, 2020. Yeah, so that was a real turning point for me personally because I think, I live alone so I was locked down lonely in a flat like struggling with quite a lot of things in terms of my mental and emotional health nowhere near my family so you know talking to people on Twitter virtual conferences it gave me a sense of community and connection and also probably back then albeit you know very an invisible barrier I maybe hadn't felt like I could just ask people questions that I've never spoken to before are from a completely different area etc so I think that being part of conferences really helped to break down perhaps some of the perceived boundaries and barriers that I had and made me feel a lot more confident about being able to ask questions being able to share and you know I I genuinely think and I talk about it a lot in some of the people of color spaces like it might sound ridiculous but like button was a real changing factor in my professional life as a starting point and the connections were a huge part of that Oh, I don't think that's ridiculous at all. I mean, that is, uh, if you are joining us for the first time, that's I. my consultancy is Brain Traffic, and we produce two events. We produce Confab, the Content Strategy Conference, happening in May in Minneapolis. If you want to check that out, confabevents.com. There, I got it in. And the other is Button, uh, the Content Design Conference, which Candy referred to and, and uh, started, de- debuted virtually by necessity in uh, 2020. 
And I don't know if anybody knows this, but conferences are not super great money makers. Like a huge part of why we want to do that is to create those connections and to create those safe spaces and to create launching pads for those conversations because they're necessary for the advancement of the field. And so that is a huge place to find and that kind of support and those connections. But I think this was the first time we saw the Slack workspaces for these events just on fire with people making connections and creating safe spaces for places to have difficult conversations with, with like-minded people and peers. So I, I don't think it's silly at all. I think it's fantastic. You made mention of making connections and reaching out in some of the spaces created by and for people of color. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about uh, the shift in the changes that you're seeing within those communities when it comes to sort of barriers to entry or opportunities within the field of content design. Yeah, I can indeed. And I was just thinking actually when you were talking about Slack groups and there was a, yeah, a people of color Slack group at Button and like some of those people were just I would class as like friends for life and you know incredible professional connections and it was a kind of magic in a way that I had never really seen before it gave people a safe space within a safe space right and I think one of the things that I've loved is every year I have seen the Slack groups grow. I have seen people that had just joined as kind of their first ever virtual conference go on to, you know, be doing incredible talks. And like that is so, so important because let's be honest, like a lot of conferences, you do not feel represented like when you look at the lineup, like you do not feel like that's a space for you to go let alone let alone talk or share your story so the representation isn't is far from just a buzzword like it is critical like it just it's just amazing and I think uh, that's probably one of the things I'm most proud of with the content community is the diversity that I've seen and yeah it's just yeah it makes me kind of emotional thinking about it it's just amazing to see people go from strength to strength in their career to see people have role models to see people find their voice have confidence have opportunities Candy, speaking of conferences creating new opportunities, you yourself have stepped up to the plate as a new conference producer and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that yeah, so I can. So, of course, so perspectives. Wow. And this... not perspectives on conferences, perspectives, the event. <laughs> yeah, perspectives, <laughs> the event. To clarify, that's right. So where did perspectives, the kind of content festival we're calling it, where did it come from? It came from, mm, it's actually a strange story. So a while ago, um, Nigeria were removed from accessing Twitter, which made me very concerned, especially because I mentor some folks from Nigeria and I know how much Twitter is used to keep up to date with what's going on with content design, design more generally, and kind of unlock resources and help people make those connections, see opportunities, etc. So I was I was concerned about what 
folks across Nigeria not having access to Twitter meant for those opportunities and connections. So I thought, is there another medium or platform that we can use to maintain that connection? And what we decided to do, I got a few people together to do a Zoom panel, which was just asking kind of answering people's questions largely around uh, landing landing a first job in uh, content and it ended up with about 300 people attending across the world and got some got some really positive feedback especially from Nigeria and some of the areas that I'd been really keen that we were um, connecting with so we wanted to evolve on that and build on it essentially they're um, just the most amazing awesome content conferences at the moment so we wanted to hopefully complement that with a bit of a focus on careers in content so right through from getting your first job which is a question that comes up again and again understandably so through to navigating leadership and just some of the you know many challenges that come across you know those careers in content yes it was a bit of an idea that James from working in content and I had so the first track which is all about breaking into content is free so yeah I would definitely encourage anyone uh early career looking to understand more to to sign on up to that and I just hope it will bring some youthful insights and support and a real focus on some of the things that we probably don't talk enough about generally burnout uh taking a sabbatical working part-time you know why it's so hard to get that first step in the door and you know some things that might help with that etc yeah so I hope it's going to be good like I'm loving the diversity it's uh yeah it's just been humbling to see so it's going to be spectacular. And, you know, I have never seen a conference like this in all my time in content strategy emerge that is specifically focused on what it's called, what what uh, James's company is called, working in content, yeah. where, you know, the conferences that we have produced, the conferences that I've spoken at have been very largely around the craft and making things and the strategy setting and the stakeholder alignment. So actually doing the thing. So I'm really, really excited about this event. Where can people go to learn more? So they can head over to the working content to www. <laughs> like a really bad presenter so yeah working in contents uh website and yeah they can find out all of the information on perspectives perspectives there i often find i let me let me help you learn how to self-promote it is it's not it is not many people's strengths between uh, yeah so anyway well great well congratulations and best of luck as you as you move forward with planning the program and preparing for production when is that happening so it's happening it's happening across three weeks so the first one is the end of March 24th and 25th and then it kind of progresses through with different tracks which kind of go from landing your first gig in content to becoming a senior managing people and teams right through to navigating leadership yeah throughout March and April wonderful well, congratulations on everything that you've got going. You're such an inspiration and it has been such an honor to uh, get to know you over the last couple of years and so delighted to have you here on the podcast. Where can people find out more about you? Again, with the self-promotion, I'm opening the door. Walk through it, Candy. Yeah. Wow. Where can people find out more about me? So 
I'm on LinkedIn, which is um, the professional takes, opportunities, uh, Bumble, whatnot, what I'm up to. You can also find me Twitter, Twitter, um, I'm at Candy Writes, which is a real mix of content take a lot of what I've eaten that you didn't ask for and a lot of crystals and tarot cards. So I'm super into it. In fact, your Instagram account for your, you've got a crystals business, you know, on top of everything else that you're doing. And what is that? Yes. Oh, I love what you're doing. You're setting me up. I know. I know. (laughs) I'm almost done. I'm almost done. (laughs) I love it. So Rita Sue crystals and healing, which is all about um, my wonderful witchery from Reiki to crystals to tarot cards, which is what I spend most of my time doing when I'm not leading content teams. Yeah, we are 100% having a part two that is specifically focused on that. You thought yes. you were here for the content strategy. <laughs> You're actually here for the crystals and witchcraft. Surprise. Oh. Candy, thank you so much for your time today. It's a pleasure as always. Thank you. And thank you for everything that you do and everything that you've done. You've made such a difference to so many and the opportunities that you've opened up for a lot of us. Yeah, do not go unseen. So thank you. Well, you are welcome and it is an honor and a pleasure. All right. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Content Strategy Podcast. Our podcast is brought to you by Brain Traffic, a content strategy services and events company. It's produced by Robert Mills with editing from Bear Value. Our transcripts are from Rev.com. You can find all kinds of episodes at contentstrategy.com. And you can learn more about brain traffic at braintraffic.com. See you soon.